0: Hey everybody welcome back to conversations with the mind i'm your host as always shane lamaster i want to start by saying thank you to all of our listeners um, our listenership continues to go up every week and that's amazing thank you so much for tuning in hopefully this these podcasts and this information and the knowledge shared on these podcasts is helping you and influencing you and and um helping to change you in positive ways and we just want to say thank you um We also want to remind everyone that the the best way to get the word out about this podcast is to always like and share Um, the podcast when we share them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, things like that. When you see them, uh, you know if you wouldn't mind just taking a quick second and pushing that like button or that share button, and and help spread these messages out to your own social networks. That really is the best way that these messages can get spread in this sort of technological age that we're in. So we appreciate those who are liking and sharing our stuff. Um, our our impact is growing, and I and I see that in the comments, and in um, you know on the, on this podcast app, it kind of tracks. Um, the listenership, so it's kind of nice. Uh, it doesn't track personal information, so don't worry about that, but it tra- it tells me uh, how many people tune in to each episode and, and helps with the comments, so I also want to remind our listeners that you can donate to the podcast. I don't take any personal money from this podcast, um, but any donations that we do take in will go towards uh, upgrading our systems. Right now, we're still working off of um, my good old cell phone, and the, the quality is pretty good, but... Once I reach the 40 podcast uh, mark, 40 episodes, my plan is to buy new microphones and um, retrofit a section of my house for like a podcast studio. So everything goes back into the podcast to make the message clearer and uh, better for you listeners. So please donate if you feel obligated. If not, that's fine too. Um, the best support you can give us is just listening and continuing to listen. So we are sponsored by MindOps. That's my Uh, Private practice. Uh, You can find us at mindops.com. That's m-i-n-d-hyphen-o-p-s.com. We're a mobile and eclectic counseling company. Uh, Mobile in the sense that we prefer to go to your location, whether it's your home or your training facility or your business, your place of work, in order to assess sort of uh, what's going on in your environment and to assess you in your own natural habitat, natural environment. sort of similar to animal studies, but we like to go to um, your place of work, where you perform and um, we'll find that it's most effective to, to do assessments and, and to uh, implement interventions in those places. So we are a mobile uh, counseling practice. Um, we're also eclectic in that we take from a wide range of psychotherapy tools and tailor fit uh, the interventions to the individuals that come in. We offer one-on-one services, distance services, and telehealth services. So if you are listening from across the country or across the world, please still free, feel free to come to our website. Um, we can do sessions through Skype or over the phone. We're fully um, capable of doing that as well. Um, our, some of our specializations, uh, general psychotherapy, addiction counseling, um, sport and performance psychology, and psychedelic integration therapy. Um, So we cover a wide range of things and um, with the ultimate goal of optimizing your human performance, your human mental performance. So we do individuals, teams, small and large groups, and businesses. And I wanted to let our listeners know as well, which I haven't done in the past, um, that MindOps has its own YouTube channel as well. And there's a link for it on the website. If you go to the MindOps YouTube page, you'll find a number of videos that I've uploaded um, sort of breaking down in more depth a lot of the topics that we talk about here on Conversations with the Mind. So some of the psychological theories um, or some of the, the macro topics that we talk about, I'll sort of break it down in my office setting on a whiteboard and um, you know give a little bit more information for the listeners. So please check out our YouTube channel and again, like and share that as well. Let's get the information out. Um, So for our good news story of the day, uh, we like to have a good news section as part of our podcast to try and spread some hope and some joy in your life, um, especially since we're flooded with so much negative uh, media and negative messages coming from all over the place. So the good news story today comes again from the Good News Network, and the title of the article reads, When parents say it's time to go bye-bye, toddler insists on hugging every single stranger. And it's it's a very short article, but it was pretty... Pretty cool for me to read this. So uh there was a video that was shared on Facebook and um this these two parents and their toddler um were getting ready to leave an outdoor event in Alabama or sorry, Atlanta, uh Atlanta, Georgia. And um when the child was told it's time to go, uh the toddler insisted on giving every person around them a hug. And it it says in the article that the video lasted somewhere um, uh, it, it was a long process. So it says, uh, it definitely delayed the family's departure for some time. Um, but that they couldn't say no to that. So I, w- I've seen things like that and I love to see things like that. Um, and it just, the article just really reminded me of the pure innocence that comes from kids and how, you know, how sometimes we lose that as adults and, um, you know, got me thinking and imagining what a world would be like if adults would do the same thing, if, uh, you know, they just didn't want to leave before giving hugs to strangers around them and how that might impact our social networks and impact how people feel in general. Um, So that's our good news story today. Uh, Maybe you could do your part today by giving a few more people in your social circles some hugs, just letting them know that you are here and that you see them here as well. Alright, so today's guest is a very special guest, a good friend of mine, um, Courtney the Lion King. Um, I have known Courtney now for, I think, over five years. Um, I initially came into Z's training gym where I met her um, as part of an internship after my uh, sport and performance psychology master's degree. And I would run, like, team interventions and team meditations and teach mental skills to the team, Um, and Courtney was a part of that. And uh, I was still in the midst of major injuries and surgeries, so couldn't train for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half in in the beginning that I knew Courtney. Um, but then I started training at Z's, and Courtney became a very close teammate of mine. Uh, we've competed in numerous competitions together. We've competed on the pro stage together. Um, and, you know, I've shared in a lot of Courtney's um MMA and jiu-jitsu career and all the victories that she's had and the celebrations and the downtimes and, um, yeah, share some good history with Courtney. So Courtney is a professional, um, MMA fighter. Um, and she's also a professional jiu-jitsu fighter, both in the no-gi and the gi divisions. Uh, she's currently a purple belt, three stripe, uh, but moving up soon. And Courtney, um, has some strong interests in the environment. Um, I think, she got her degree in natural resource management. Yep, yep. through through Colorado State University, and she currently uh, spends a lot of her days um, around plants and taking care of uh, plants in a horticultural sense. So, she loves the environment and loves um, nature and plants, and so do I. So, I wanted to have her on today. Uh, welcome, Courtney.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Um, So I I always start my podcast off with the same question. And you were here for Joe's podcast sort of in the background, so you kind of already know what's coming. Um, But I always like to ask, you know, the the title of the podcast is Conversations with the Mind. When you hear that phrase, what comes up for you internally? What what sort of resonates with you as, as the meaning behind Conversations with the Mind?
1: I think for me it means more having a conversation um, without outside influences. So you're just having a conversation, whether it's with yourself or with someone else, without worrying about um, anything outside of that conversation.
0: What do you mean outside influences?
1: Um, I don't know, stereotypes you may have. Um,
0: uh, so you mean, like, conversations with, like the true essence of somebody, right? Without like labels and judgments and, and yeah. stereotypes and More like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So without yeah, these outside influences mm-hmm. from society or yes. from you know, from each other, you yeah. know, our own judgments, cool. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you interact with with your own mind? How do you have these conversations with yourself?
1: I don't too often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I guess it takes more, it's more just being honest with myself about anything. Um, Well, I'm kind of getting stuck.
0: No, it's fine. Um, Yeah, that that point about being honest with yourself is super important. Um, And I see this all the time with my clients and with myself too. Like We as human beings are amazing at lying to ourselves. Right Or propping our ego up, or being yeah. really prideful, or telling ourselves a bunch of negative shit and holding ourselves down a lot, right? Mm-hmm. so we're uh, we're really good at that for some reason. Um, and you know these these conversations that you have with yourself can, you know, if you use them effectively and like take some agency and some some control over those conversations, we can change them to be more positive rather than negative for sure. Yeah. And more authentic rather than like mm-hmm. um like jaded by all these Yeah these external things.
1: Yeah. It's, awesome. Said it much better than I did.
0: Yeah. I've had I've had fifteen episodes of practice. <laughs> hmm. Um, so I wanted to ask you real quick, where did you get your fight name? Courtney, the Lion King.
1: I think it was my third fight. I'm not really sure. Uh, I didn't have a nickname yet, and I didn't want to just pick one. Um,
0: Right, because for those of you who don't know, that's kind of a taboo thing in our sport. If you pick your own nickname, people usually make fun of you.
1: I think a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think you get, I mean, it's kind of funny if you do pick your own. Then it's just like, well, how'd you come up with that? Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had to take a funny picture, and my coach, Z, your coach too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, told me that I should make a kitty cat face put little claws up with my hands, and I, I thought that, that was ridiculous. <laughs> so I ended up doing that one because I couldn't think of anything, and I loved it. So it came up with uh, The Lion, and it worked out with The Lion King being my last name, kind of mm-hmm. like the Disney movie. Sure. So.
0: And uh, if any of you guys have seen Courtney Fight, usually her walkout song is uh, the Lion King song, right? One of the Lion King songs yeah, from the I movie. Yeah, I love
1: walking out to the Disney music. Mm-hmm.
0: So. But a couple times you've run into a situation where someone else on the card will also choose... The Lion King song, right? So you have to pick a different one from the same movie?
1: Uh, that happened once on the Fight to Win Pro card. Um, and then I didn't even hear it the whole night, so I was kind of sad. Oh. Or else other other promotions, they don't let you pick your own music. They pick it for you. and then, so.
0: So that happens often then, where um, they pick music for you? I
1: think that's happened with my last two fights. They either picked the music for me or couldn't find the song or weren't able to play it um because it is a disney song so i sure. feel like there's some trademark issues but...
0: sure and your last two fights have been for invicta right
1: um it was for the lfa and then for invicta
0: okay what does the lfa stand for again do you remember legacy fighting lines. legacy fighting yeah are they still around
1: I think so. I'm pretty sure
0: they still okay. are. And that was the, uh, it was almost like a national tournament, right? That they, they went to a world tournament or was supposed to go to a world tournament. Is that that one?
1: That was one. That one was a few years ago, actually. Um, I think that was 2015. I don't remember the name of that promotion. Uh, it was, no, it was Fighter Source. That's what it was. But apparently, I don't, I think they went out of business. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was the, what they told us. But I really have no idea what happened to that.
0: It sounded like yeah. a pretty cool format. Where like, um, I think you fought once in California and once mm-hmm. on the East Coast. Yeah, right? I
1: fought. I fought in Fresno, in California first, and then we went to New York. Um, it was a really small town in New York, though, mm-hmm. so it was really fun to go there. And then. After that, we went back to San Diego. I think was the last one, mm-hmm. which I didn't get to fight at that one, but um, it was still really fun. Mm-hmm. We stayed at this really nice resort, so nice. Yeah, the it perks of being nice a nice little vacation. Mm-hmm.
0: So that was like a that was like a team um, type event, right? Where like uh, there was a team formed. Was it a Colorado-based team?
1: Um, I think for ours it was, and then they had they had different teams for like the West Coast, and they had people from all over California. And they had an East Coast team, and I think they were from a lot of different states, but mm-hmm. they had a team of about like seven people, I think, mm-hmm. at different weight classes.
0: Yeah, I like the format where you know the teams <laughs> come together and it's a team versus team, even though they're individual fights, mm-hmm. but um you know for you, you kept winning those fights, and um I think they they made you national champion yeah right at, at at the time? you
1: win um at the last round in San Diego, then you were all national champions, and then you got to go. Um, the plan was go to Brazil, and then there was a world championship. But,
0: mm-hmm. but that never yeah, happened. that
1: didn't happen. That fell through.
0: Mm-hmm. So then you fought for the LFA, right, which is a pretty big promotion.
1: I think, yes, I, I'm pretty sure that's right. Okay. I think I had a few fights in between that, actually. So okay. I had a few more amateur fights, and then I went pro for the LFA.
0: Okay. So your pro fights have been in the LFA and... Um, Invicta. Invicta. Yeah, yeah, Invicta's huge, too. Yeah,
1: that one was scary. hmm
0: <laughs> Like more yeah, more nervousness. Definitely. Was it because of the TV or just because of the the added pressure or what I made think it more nervous? It was just a
1: little bit more pressure. Um, it was a short notice one, so that kind of took the took the weight off. I just concentrated on getting there and making weight and getting all my medicals done. But um, there was definitely some pressure when I got there. Mm-hmm. It seemed like everyone else was more prepared than I was. I mean, I had it on eight days notice, so it wasn't didn't have a lot of preparation for it. So it was definitely. Definitely nervous.
0: Okay. Um, so uh, you recently just, um, in the last weekend, uh, won um, your match at the Fight to Win Pro. Was it 92?
1: Right? I think that's right.
0: Something like that? There was a professional a professional, yeah, professional jitsu show put on in Denver by um, Fight to Win and uh, Seth Daniels, the promoter, and Courtney and, and her spouse, Joe, both fought on the pro card. And, um, yeah, you went up against, uh, I think she was announced as she was a purple belt who was announced as a, uh, master's world champion. And I don't remember if it was from this year or last year, um, she was a world champion, but you went up there against a world champion and you pulled out one of the most beautiful bow and arrow chokes that I've seen in competition. It was just nice and slow and controlled and flawless. And, uh, it was so awesome to be right next to the mat, um, Cheering you on for that.
1: Yeah, it was definitely fun. I was pretty excited when I found it. Just hoping I had it nice and tight.
0: Yeah. Um, what was it like for you? Did you know anything about your opponent before you before you went in?
1: Um, I knew that she had kind of recently got her purple belt, but other than that, I didn't know much of anything. I hadn't heard her name before, or seen her at other tournaments. So, mm-hmm. I assumed she hadn't competed very much before, or maybe she had just moved to Colorado and I've just never seen her name
0: Mm -hmm. do you think um, do you think the way you would have felt before the match would have changed had you known she was a former world champion
1: I don't think so no No.
0: that's good that's a good mindset I think most people would have been affected by that in some way and been like you know psyched themselves out after hearing that um and I've seen Z sort of use this technique with you in the past where sort of um, promoting this idea of ignorance is bliss, <laughs> right? Where he'll sign you up for a, a fight and he'll do all the studying and research on the person, but he won't tell you much about the person. Um, in, I think it's in an effort to to keep you focused on you know your game plan and what you're going to do.
1: Yeah. I think that works sometimes. I think the first time he did it to me, he didn't, I could tell he didn't want to tell me something. And so he told me not to look up the person, and it was... uh, I don't know. He just acted weird, and then I knew that there was something he didn't want me to see about her. And that made me way more nervous. what? Mm -hmm. What is so bad? What are you hiding? What is it? Like, why don't you just tell me? Mm -hmm. Um, But it turned out okay. I mean, other times I don't really... I'm not really interested. I mean, I'm a little interested to find out about him just because I'm curious, but I don't think any learning much about them is going to change the outcome sure, or how I fight.
0: So yeah. learning about them beforehand, maybe not so much, but do you find for yourself personally, do you find that you, uh, you become friends with your opponents afterwards most of the time?
1: I think, yeah, it depends on who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, or how friendly they are. I mean, I don't talk much to them after, um, it isn't, I mean, the ones that I see in Colorado that live here, I mean, I'll talk to them a little bit and be friendly, but, um, Um, for the out of state people I I generally don't I'll never see them again probably so
0: yeah that's something that I notice about our sport that I really love Um, and Callie really has experienced it too where Mm -hmm. like you know we'll go to these jujitsu tournaments and um, and you know we'll We'll be in battle all day long with these people, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, we're making Facebook friends with them, and yeah. we're, we're shaking their hand, and we'll see them at other tournaments, and we'll go up and give them big hugs or something like that, and Callie's actually made some really good friends, myself too, um, out of competing against people. Mm-hmm. It seems like when two people come together in a an agreed-upon struggle, and then um, you know they battle it out against each other, it seems like it bonds bonds us to each mm-hmm. other, you know? Um, do you, do you, find that too?
1: I do a little bit. Um, I'm definitely Facebook friends with, I think most people that I fought or competed with. Um, but generally, yeah, we're pretty, I mean, we'll say hi, but mm-hmm. it's not really cordial, but not best friends. Best friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after
0: your match this last weekend, um, I went up to Z and I'm like, congrats coach. Good job. Um, and I was like, what do you, what do you think about Courtney's bow and arrow finish and he was just so pumped and um he said you know i think courtney might need a new fight name um because well he said, just i don't know if he was serious or not but he said you know she could be courtney the upset king because it seems like um for a number of your fights you have definitely been the underdog right or, yeah. or considered the underdog or um, promoted as the underdog i know your fight with um Kobe Northcutt's sister, right? No, she was Colby Northcutt. She was Colby Northcutt. Okay. Sage Northcutt. Sage Corden, yeah. So um, you were definitely portrayed as the underdog. You know, I watched it on TV. You were fighting out of state, and I was watching mm-hmm. on TV, and there was this entire, like, montage, maybe 15-minute video montage on her mm-hmm. and her training and her uh, coming to the pro status, and there was maybe a four- or five-minute snippet about you right so you were being promoted as the underdog like the Mm -hmm. promotion maybe thought like this girl doesn't have a chance you know and then you come in and you just smashed her in the ring um it was not even not even close um so that was one instance and then definitely this weekend too you know i think she was definitely the crowd favorite um Mm -hmm. because she got a lot
1: more cheers a lot more cheers (laughs) she
0: comes from a much larger school Mm -hmm. uh she was at easton i think um sure much larger school and there's nothing wrong with that but you were you were not um seen as you or you were seen as the underdog Mm -hmm. and you came out and smoked her you know pretty quickly um so yeah z said maybe she needs a new fight name courtney the upset king (laughs) what do you think about that
1: oh it doesn't have as nice of a ring to Mm -hmm. it (laughs) but it is kind of funny Mm -hmm. it does work pretty well
0: yeah i think it fits you pretty well so what's it like for you um leading a fighter lifestyle i mean because you you were a student at csu Mm -hmm. graduated in the in the recent years um but most of your life has been i mean you live with a pro fighter Um, i know you know from based on joe's old house you know he had his whole basement was set up for a fighter (laughs) lifestyle right so you guys have like you you guys have like an ice bath you have like Concrete blocks for weightlifting. I don't
1: have an ice bath yet, but I did want to get one. I thought it'd be fun to try.
0: Oh, maybe it was a heap. Yeah, he built a little
1: mini hot tub bath thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so, you know, what's it like just going day to day? And it it seems like a lot of your life is is, um, focused on fighting and getting yourself better and training. And what's that like?
1: Um, It's different, definitely. I don't. I don't do as much as I would like to. I don't go out too much. Um, I mean, I still love it. I love it. But uh, it's definitely harder. It's harder to just relax and have fun. You have that kind of constant.
0: Oh, that's my dog. (laughs)
1: um, Just like this constant guilty feeling like, oh, I'm not working out. I'm not, maybe I shouldn't Mm. eat this, but it's not that bad. Um, So it's just this constant reminder in my head that, oh, wait, I might have a fight, so I shouldn't shouldn't do this I should go work out or maybe maybe I should actually take a day off because I could use it um, it's a lot of back and forth mm-hmm. but um, it's definitely it's worth it I do love having a fight and I love um, just competing in general so it, so it's it's worth it it's worth like the kind of struggles sure a day. and it's really it's not that it's not bad when you think about it I mean Pretty much, I go to work. I work with plants all day, and then I go work out, and I go to practice, and go home and go to bed and do it all over again.
0: But you've gotten so used to it now that you're right. That is like, it's just the thing you do.
1: Yeah. Right? It's definitely, it feels a lot weirder if I don't go to practice or if I don't Mm -hmm. work out before. Um, It just feels off. It's like I'm missing something.
0: I feel like most people out there who don't do MMA or jiu-jitsu, though, would look at your life and be like, Oh my god, there's no way I could ever do that, right? Like I can't I could never, you know, go from work to um lifting weights every single day and then go to an hour and a half of getting punched in the face um and then do an hour and a half of hard gi jiu jitsu, you know? Um so for you, you know, it's you, like you said, it's not that hard. It's it's automatic. It's mm-hmm. become part of your routine, but I think for most people what you do is is superhuman you know
1: (laughs) it is a lot I guess when you look at it like that it's a lot in one day um I think I started small with it though Mm -hmm. I just started going to practice and we had I think they were only an hour long or an hour and a half and then that's all I did and slowly got more and more and more so it kind of gradually grew and
0: yeah so I wasn't at the gym when you first started can you tell us a little bit about that
1: um I don't think it was very different
0: how did you get started didn't, weren't you dragged in by a friend?
1: I was. It was a, my friend's friend. Um, his name was Josh. And um, we were all just actually outside, um, outside our dorms one day, and somebody started wrestling with somebody else. And then I got involved in it, and she actually, it was my friend Nicole, and she was a lot smaller than me, and she just tackled me to the ground and rubbed my face in the grass, and it was really funny. And uh, Josh was there, and he said, oh, you guys should come in for our open mat. And we had no idea what that was. And we'd never heard of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, or we thought wrestling was just what you would see on TV. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that's weird, or or the people that wear their singlets. It was just so strange to us. So we came in, we tried it, and we ended up just having so much fun. Um, I think we both stuck around for a little while, and then eventually school just caught up to us, and we stopped going. Um, both me and Nicole and, and Josh, I think. Um, so after a few weeks, I really missed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. So I finally got brave enough to come back in and try my first class. And I ended up just loving it.
0: And then from Staying then on, up. it was Yeah, it was, history. It was normal. Nice. Yeah. yeah, and again, you know, um, Joe might have talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but that's sort of... When I talk to him, that's what he says is that it's just part of, that's just what he does. Mm-hmm. So he goes to work, and then he trains no yeah. matter what. And he, he said, like, he's fortunate enough to have a job that he can make fighting the center of his life. And then everything else around it sort of bends to the whim of, of what's mm-hmm. necessary to be the best fighter he can. Yeah. And, and so you being around him has helped you do the same thing.
1: Yeah, it definitely helps being around him. There's there's days where I want to be really lazy and just stay home and lay on the couch and watch TV, but um, I always feel bad if I tell him that. He's like, well, I'm going to practice, so I guess I'll see you there or I'll see you at home. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's an extra three hours, so I'll just get up and go.
0: Mm-hmm. Do the roles ever reverse there and, like, he want, he's feeling lazy and you... Like, I'm going to practice.
1: Not often. When he doesn't go to practice, he's usually pretty sick or something's wrong with him mm-hmm. and he really can't go. Um, and then he just feels guilty and sad. So I don't want to, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to rub it in his face. That I'm going to practice without him. Yeah. But,
0: Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this fighter lifestyle, you know, um, you, you more so than myself, but I, I engage this as well, is that. You know, by leading this sort of lifestyle, we have to make a lot of sacrifices, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like um, you know training is every night and it usually gets out at nine pm you know, and then you got to go home and shower. And if you were ever to have a social life and go out, you know it's already 10 30, 11 at night before you even start yeah. to go out, right? And so that just extends the the lack of sleep that you get, which negatively influences your training, right? So there's a lot of sacrifices that we make, not just for our time. In our social life Um, for a lot of people in this lifestyle you know their spouse doesn't compete and doesn't train so it's time away from them it's time away from kids you're uh, you and I are both lucky enough that we have spouses that that support us in, in what we do and they understand the sacrifice but there's a lot of other like you said like the food sacrifices like most people can go out and have a cheeseburger if they want you know but for fighters, we have to be more mindful of that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I find that with anything that we do that has any meaning for us, um, if we're going to pursue it, it's going to involve some sort of sacrifice. Um, yeah. Sacrificing something in in order to achieve something else. Yeah. Do you think that's true, too? Oh,
1: that's definitely true. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, I really admire the the lifestyle that that you lead. And, um, you know, part of me is envious. I wish that I could give up my job and, 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 um, you know, go spend more time at the gym. Um, sometimes my career, uh, you know, takes importance over my training and I try not to let that happen, uh, because training is much more important and valuable to me personally. Um, but you know, it is a balance. Yeah. It's definitely hard balance sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, combative mindset. Okay, so a lot of people don't know much about combative mindset except for what they read, because most people have never been in combat, whether it's you know military conflict or um, Mm -hmm. combat like we do on a mat in a sport uh, controlled setting. still pretty violent um but it's controlled for sure Mm -hmm. um so most people don't experience what it's like actually experience the combat mindset so for you you know you have a lot of experience with combat you know uh i don't know countless jujitsu tournaments um how many amateur and pro fights have you had
1: i've had two pro fights and i think i think i had nine amateur fights but i could be wrong
0: okay so 10 11 um you know, face-to-face, one-on-one combat in a locked cage, right? Yeah, it's pretty intense to the to the average person. Uh, it's intense to us too. Um, but talk talk a little bit about um, your combative mindset and how that developed. Because when I first met you, you were not. You were you were, uh, how do I describe you, um, Courtney King? Awkward. <laughs> um, well, you're still pretty yes. awkward. Oh. Still pretty yeah, awkward that's sometimes. True. No but I mean, you were um and don't take this the wrong way, but maybe you were you were had a softer personality you were more um, uh, more playful you're still very playful in mm-hmm. the gym um, but over all these fights and all these tournaments, you know your focus has improved your um your drive and your um, you know your willingness to put yourself through tough times has has grown exponentially, so talk about like. talk about your combative mindset what's what sort of mindset do you like to be in when you go into combat
1: um i think i definitely prefer to be in a relaxed mindset i don't like getting all worked up like before a fight like i hear some people like yelling in the back or they'll slap themselves in the face Mm -hmm. trying to get ready to go but i just like to warm up and just kind of relax and try to not get worried um I constantly get worried before a fight and nervous and I try to just calm down Mm -hmm. and relax. Um, I don't think I ever get angry in the cage either. Um, It's more just, I don't know, I guess happy. Mm -hmm. Um, We both want to be there, me and the girl, I'm fighting. So I don't, mm, I just, I guess I just don't like to be angry. It's not like an angry sport for me. Mm -hmm. Um, We spar in the gym all the time and it's, Never angry, so I feel like taking that and going into the K is just keeping it happy, and you're just you're just doing a sport like you play soccer. Sure, you're not gonna get angry at the person you're playing soccer with, right? At least I wouldn't think so.
0: Yeah, well, we hear the phrase, you know, train like you fight. Mm-hmm. Or, you, or, and that's how you're going to fight. You're yeah. going to fight how you train. And you train um, very lighthearted, very happy. You're mm-hmm. having a lot of fun out there in training. And it makes sense that you want to carry that into the cage, too, because that's what you've trained yourself to perform best at, yeah. right, is this um, relaxed mindset, right? Um so yeah, and a lot of people are the opposite. A lot of people need to be really amped up and angry in mm-hmm. order, you know, to perform at their best, you know. Um it's totally individualistic to each person and that's something I help people with in my private practice is mm-hmm. um identifying for them what's called the optimal zone of functioning or the optimal uh, uh optimal zone of arousal. Mm-hmm. And I think I talked, yeah, you talked mm-hmm, to
1: I think with back the team. When I about first that. Met you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so For everybody, you know, a little bit of nervousness is good because it Mm -hmm. enhances focus, it enhances mindfulness, it enhances balance and proprioception and all these things, eye hand coordination. But too much nervousness can sometimes be detrimental to performance, right? Definitely. Yeah. Most of us who compete definitely experience that from time to time. But for you, you've found for yourself that relaxed state um, leading up to the fight is most beneficial, yes. and if you can, maintain that relaxed state in the cage is also beneficial for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah I see you, you know, sometimes when you're fighting um, either in MMA or Jiu-Jitsu, you know, I'll, I'll see you in a position, or I'll see a girl, like, punch you in the face in the cage, and then you'll get a huge smile on your <laughs> face, um, which is, is not uncommon, but uh, I think less common than than the other reaction, which is to get angry, yeah, right. So for you, what brings about that smile, and why? Why do you think you do that?
1: Um, I think sometimes it's because I'm really nervous, so I smile and I laugh when I'm nervous a lot. Um, other times, I mean, if they if they hit me and it it didn't hurt nearly as much as I thought it was going to, I'll smile. It looks like, oh, well, that's a relief. That doesn't hurt. Mm. Um, other times it it will kind of hurt. I mean, obviously, you know, you get hit pretty hard. Um, and then I kind of, it's, it's not so bad because now I've felt that and I know I'm like, okay, you just hit me really hard. It's, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. I felt what she's going to do so I can get through it. Um, other times that is just fun. If I'm, whether I'm winning or losing, um, sometimes it's just fun. So you have to smile.
0: Mm -hmm. So for you, part of that inner dialogue and that conversation you have with your own mind, after experiencing a trauma, like, getting punched in the face real hard, is almost like you say to yourself, okay, I've experienced the best that she's got, mm-hmm. like, and that wasn't too bad. Yeah. So now it's my turn to, to show her what I've got. Yeah. Um, and this is all happening pretty fast, pretty automatically.
1: Yeah, it happens fast. I mean, there's definitely times where I've been punched pretty hard in the face, and I haven't smiled
0: because mm-hmm.
1: that was definitely not fun. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, most of the time it's just, okay kind of a relief got that out of the way
0: nice so when we're breaking down combative mindset for you you know relaxed arousal state um positive um positive self-talk so telling yourself things like this isn't so bad and i can i can take this and um you know i got i got more coming for her you know (laughs) um what what else goes into your into your mental preparation beforehand? Like what sort of techniques do you use? Do you use music? Do you use uh, meditation? Do you use deep breathing? What do you use beforehand to keep your arousal level low?
1: Um, I try to stay distracted with about anything. Um, I don't like to listen to music because I feel like I'll miss what fight they're on and suddenly it'll be my turn and I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like to just, I'll look at my phone for a little bit. I, I mostly just goof off. And then warm up a little bit, like I like to hit mitts or um, I don't know, just warm up in general, jumping jacks or squats or something. Um, sometimes I'll just practice um, different moves on the ground, but for the most part, it's just pretty general stuff. And then I'll just relax some more and goof off, tell jokes, just have people tell me stories. Mm. So Nice. Anything to keep my mind kind of off of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Then, So your team plays a, an integral role in this too.
1: Oh, yeah. definitely. I think Joe has always been in my corner, and he's really good at keeping me relaxed and distracted from everything. And then Z is really good about getting me back focused on it so I don't get too too relaxed mm-hmm. and too, I don't know.
0: What are some f- of the things they say to you?
1: Um, off the top of my head, I can't really remember. Um, I'm sure Joe has told me a tractor story. In the back, <laughs> just when he would live on grew up on a farm, he's told me so many, so I'm sure there's been one of those in there. Um, Z has always told me more motivational stuff, um, just anything to get me like amped up and ready to go. Um, he's definitely good at giving me more confidence before mm-hmm. I go in the cage. Um,
0: How does he do that? Uh, just like reminding you of of the things all the hard work you put in and the things you've accomplished?
1: And... Yeah, he he definitely reminds me a lot of everything I've done leading up to it, and um, the other girl probably hasn't done that much. Um, just, gosh, sorry, I can't remember anything no, specific. that's good. Yeah. Um,
0: so, I mean, Joe and Z, out of anybody in our circle anyway, I feel like they know you the best.
1: Definitely. Yeah, for yeah.
0: sure. You know, they've been with you through thick and thin, and, it's really nice, um and really beneficial to have, not only in the sport context but in life in general, to have people around you who who know your ups and your downs and your strengths and your flaws so that they can provide that support and that little bump that you need. Yeah. When you need it, even if you don't know what you need. You know, like yeah. even when you're you're back um, you know, in the in the back room before a fight, you know, and you may be really amped up and you don't know what you need to calm down, Joe can step in there and he, he can see that and he knows what you need in order to get to where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, he's pretty good at that. Yeah, having that team, having that support system is, I think, crucial. You know, just in life in general, too. You know, if we have a bad day and we don't know how to snap ourselves out of it, you know, having those people around us who, who see that and care enough to, to say something
1: mm-hmm. to
0: help get us out of it. That's cool. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, about uh, your mental preparation in training. Okay, so um, we used to do, you know, I used to do the team interventions uh, years ago. I don't know if you still use some of that information. Um, But what sort of, do you do any specific mental preparation as you're actively um, doing your physical training?
1: I don't know if i do it as i'm training i don't think i have anything i specifically like set aside mm-hmm. to do i definitely did take some of the stuff that you taught us um i like that negative self talk it's sometimes it's hard to stop it so mm-hmm. you just kind of gotta take a step back and think of like more positive things mm-hmm. or what would go differently like if you're having if you're just you know imagining how the fight's gonna go sometimes it can just take a turn for the worse in your mind and you're just suddenly losing mm-hmm. so it's sometimes hard to stop that but you can just kind of take a step back and then reimagine it um getting out of that bad spot in your head or just completely restarting it and imagining it going in a much better way Mm -hmm. um so i i remember you um talking to us about that so i use that a lot um but uh, for actively training i don't i don't think so Mm -hmm. i think I think I I imagine how I would be able to do something better. So for doing kicks, like how would I be able to throw that better? Or for working on takedowns, like, oh, I kind of did that weird. Maybe I should try this way. Mm -hmm. So
0: So definitely uh, in sports psychology, we would call that a task orientation, which Mm -hmm. is a very productive mindset to have, especially for a performer, an athlete, a musician, a surgeon. Mm -hmm. If you're doing anything that requires performance, having a task-oriented mindset has shown to be really, really helpful. And what I mean by that is like, you know, maybe you're, you're doing a drill, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in in jujitsu or in MMA and you find yourself in a precarious situation. Maybe someone has an arm locker or setting up an arm lock for you rather than focusing on the emotional content behind mm-hmm. that situation. Like, Oh shit, what, what the hell's gonna, <laughs> you know, what's he going to do? He's going to break my arm and I'm mm-hmm. going to feel terrible. Right. Instead of focusing on, the emotional content instead you focus on the task and you ask yourself what can I do next to advance my position what can I do next to get out of this right so that focus on or what can I do next to make this next kick better mm-hmm. right so it's a t- it's an orientation on um, performance rather than on the emotional label that we put on yeah. it right but like this sucks or whatever <laughs> And those are common mindsets, especially for beginners, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I I remember when I was a white belt in jiu-jitsu or just starting MMA, like most of my thoughts were emotional, you know, (laughs) like, like, this sucks. I suck at the, you know, all these negative self-talk things. Um, But the more training I got, I would focus more on the task, and it was just much more productive, Mm -hmm. much more productive. So, you know, the reason why I ask this question, mental preparation, is because, I train with you, and I know that we're preparing our minds as we're physically preparing as well, um, and sometimes you don't know that you're doing mental preparation while you're doing it, you know? So, like, for instance, one of the one of the major drills that, that you guys do in MMA is the wall drill, oh, yeah. right? So it's almost like a shark tank situation where one person has their back against the wall. And there's a line of maybe five to eight people mm-hmm. lined up, ready to take this person on. And they go for like three minutes apiece and just um, recycle through the line. All eight people go in a row on this one person. And then you rotate people. So it's it's a grind and it's hard. Definitely. And you're tired after the third person. And you know you got like five more fresh guys to go with. Um, so while you're doing that physical s- strain and that physical exertion, you're training your mental toughness you're training your mind to overcome when your body says it's time to quit it's time to let them get a takedown it's time you know i can, i can just I can just sit down here and wait the round out right but instead I see you push yourself you know even when you're tired get up get up get up so you're you're activating your mental preparation in in those scenarios too um, have you noticed a, a change since you first started in in your thought content when you're in those types of drills in those situations as opposed to now with years of experience?
1: Um, yeah, I definitely have. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is is less confusion. I remember when I first started, I had no idea what was going on for a really long time. Mm -hmm. I would just try, I would try whatever you were doing and I would, I would attempt to do it whether I did it or not. I probably didn't ever do it, (laughs) but, um, so there's less confusion um, it's definitely a lot easier to get through tough stuff like that um, I know when it's gonna be over and I know when it's I mean it's not gonna get that bad
0: mm-hmm. Um Still getting positive self-talk yeah <laughs> it's not gonna get that bad it's, this will end some, at some point
1: yeah and mm-hmm. um, I think it's more important to just like kind of control your breath while you're doing it mm-hmm. Um Yeah, just kind of stay calm throughout the whole thing like you're just it's just practice. Right, you're just getting through it.
0: And that's that's the key, right? Stay calm amidst that chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, even in life too, and things don't go our way. If we can maintain calm and composure, we have a better chance of navigating the problem. Mm-hmm.
1: I definitely think I perform better when I'm calmer, especially with the wall drill. Um, if I get a little too like worried about it, or I'm worried that they're they're gonna pull my leg weird and something's gonna hurt, or I'm going to end up stuck on the bottom, then it's just, it's not fun, I don't feel like I learn anything, but when I stay calmer, I feel like I can actually, oh, okay, I remember this, I remember this takedown from the other day, or a few weeks ago, and I'll try it, and then, nice. generally, try to figure something else out.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. you bring up, uh, you know, something that I experience all the time, because I've had numerous injuries in my uh, fight career, like, when we're doing drills like that, that require a lot of intensity, there's a lot of pressure being created between two bodies, two human bodies, and the potential for injury goes up when that happens, right? And, you know, so I find myself, you know, in those types of drills specifically, you know, where I want my mind to be is on the task, but where Mm -hmm. I find my mind more often when I pay attention is thinking about preventing further injury, right? And that tends to get in the way too sometimes. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really helpful to stay safe, but if I'm thinking about just preventing injury from my knee you know that gives them an opportunity or a leg up to be able to you know because I'm distracted Mm -hmm. right do you find that too
1: yeah that happens to me I think all the time I think I constantly have something wrong with me um lately it's been like my knee and my ankle but um I generally do keep concentrating on it I think that helps keep it safe and then I can still participate in a lot of the stuff we do um and then if I have to give something up, a lot of times, I mean, if someone picks up my leg and I think it's going to hurt, then I'll just go with it. Mm-hmm. So if they get a takedown, then they get the takedown. Mm-hmm. Or um, or if I need to, I'll just sit it out. It's definitely a lot easier now to kind of recognize when I really shouldn't do that drill. Um, I'll just let them do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, because oftentimes the mindset is that more work pro- produces better results, mm-hmm. right? It's I think hard, A lot of yeah.
1: The times yeah, it's definitely reversed. Less yeah. work is going is going to help you in the long run.
0: Yeah. That's so hard for us in the west to accept. Yeah. I know it is for me too. <laughs> you know, uh, recently, you know, sprained four tendons in my two knees and yeah. so I'm I'm battling myself every day, you know, cuz I'm still going into the gym, still getting mat time, but I can't do hardly mm-hmm. anything right now. And I shouldn't do anything. My doctor said, if I don't want, if you don't want surgery, you need to take a break, you know, but, um, in the past I pushed it when I shouldn't have and <laughs> injured myself worse, taking, forcing me to take more time off. So really that mindset of more work is always better is a false mindset. I think so. Yeah. Um, taking rest <laughs> when you need it and knowing when you need it is super important, but it's hard, especially for people like us that, you know, we push hard and we're, int- mm-hmm. we're intense when it comes to what we put ourselves through. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's definitely harder when people don't always know you're hurt. Like, I don't like to go telling everybody, Oh yeah, this hurts, this hurts, but sometimes you have to because otherwise they just, I mean, you just constantly re-injure yourself because you didn't tell them, okay, please don't do that. Cause you're just going to hurt me.
0: Right. So, so <laughs> this might be a funny question, but what do you think is wrong with us?
1: I don't know. (laughs) What do you
0: think is wrong with us and the people we train Uh -uh. with? Um, Because from an outsider's perspective, looking in at us at the gym and uh, the way we go about our lives with this intensity and this drive, um, and willing to put ourselves through the physical exertion and the injuries and the sacrifices, and then even amidst all that, we still are stubborn or hard-headed and still go back to the gym. right? Um, where I think a lot of people, and I've seen this countless times, I know you have too, people will start the sport MMA or jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and they'll get their first injury. Whether it's a major injury that requires surgery yeah. or a broken nose or someone um, twists an ankle real bad and then they're, we never see them again, yeah. right? So I think most people, when they injure themselves, they're like, screw that, I'm never gonna do that again. You know, whereas we get injured many, many times and we're like, this injury is not going to stop me. Mm -hmm. Like this, this, uh, journey that I'm on with martial arts is way more important than any injury that I have. So what do you think is wrong with us?
1: I think maybe we were just, we started and we didn't get hurt as soon as they Mm. did. So we were able to just love it more Mm. before something bad happened. I think a lot of people, they just start, and they like it, and it's interesting, but then they hurt themselves, so maybe it's not the best, and they just fall out of practice, Mm -hmm. so they just don't want to come back. It's just not in the habit anymore.
0: Well, most people don't want to be in pain.
1: Yeah, that's true. I don't think anybody likes it. Mm
0: -hmm. Physical pain or emotional pain or any kind Mm -hmm. of pain, you know, We, we try and avoid it as much as possible, yet here we go into the gym fully expecting to feel some kind of pain. Right. Even if we don't get injured,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it still hurts the next day when we get out of bed. Yeah. Right. Every single day.
1: Something hurts.
0: Right. Something always hurts. And we're just willing to accept that, you know, like accept a certain level of pain. Even after my knee injuries, you know, I'll go for long distance runs um, and my knees will hurt the whole time. Mm-hmm. But my mindset is that my knees are never going to be they, like they were before they got injured. So I just need to accept that this is the new me and accept a certain level of pain. And if I still want to and love running and love training, I just got to accept it. Got to accept pain and go. Do you find that too?
1: I I do a little bit. I have a lot more trouble now accepting it. Like if something really hurts, I'm like, I really don't want to hurt it more. I'm tired of something always being hurt. But I end up just having to accept it and suck it up and go back anyway.
0: Yeah. I, but I don't think most people would. No.
1: It's it's hard. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's it's the people that know us outside of the gym, like our friends and family. I'm sure that they would say, you know, that we're both you know, we're, we're big teddy bears, you know, <laughs> that we're we're really nice, compassionate people yeah. and um and then we do this extremely violent thing also, <laughs> right? Um so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a balancing you know, we have, we have these two sides of ourselves and they both have the opportunity to get expressed. It's kind of nice.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, So we're talking about, you know, injury and sacrifice and, and uh, maintaining, you know, a productive mindset in order to achieve our goals. But among all that, you know, um, what keeps coming up for me is, is, challenge or rising to a challenge or overcoming a challenge uh, what does challenge mean to you in your own life like how do you when you're faced with a challenge how do you conceptualize it in your mind how do you approach it how do you overcome it
1: hmm. um, I think I don't think of the big picture so much I, mean, I, I definitely think of the big picture but um, I think I take it in small steps and like day by day stuff, so I'm not going to get through, um, the whole the whole challenge right there. It's just going to take a lot of smaller steps that I can't I can do just a little bit every day. Um, so I think that helps definitely. Um, achieve whatever I'm working towards, whether it's like a mm-hmm. fight or um, something at work or uh, just I mean even. I don't know. Get into the gym in the morning. Just a little thing like, oh, just get out of bed, and get in the car, and then go. Mm-hmm. Or and just like little little things every day add up. So
0: yeah, that's super important to have that overarching large goal that you're working towards and a vision for yourself where you want to go, but then focusing on small achievable tasks yeah. every day.
1: I think if I look at the, the whole goal, the, just the, the whole challenge in general, it's just too much.
0: It's overwhelming. And then,
1: yeah, I just, I don't want to do any of it. I don't yeah. even want to do one thing for it today. I want to ignore it. But if I kind of just keep it in the back of my mind and not not so focused on it, then it's just one little step every day.
0: Mm-hmm. One Just the focus on the next yeah. competition. Yeah. and having having something scheduled or planned um i i know for me really helps with goals too mm-hmm. like um like if i have a goal to get in better shape i might um sign sign myself and Callie up for like a like in a an obstacle race like yeah. we did right um or i'll sign up for a competition because that will motivate me to push harder in the gym and, mm-hmm. and make those small incremental decisions every day towards my goal right mm-hmm. it's much harder when i don't have like a competition set or a goal set in stone, um, something to work towards? um, Do you find it's more difficult to to focus that way too?
1: Um, I like to have one in the back of my mind. So Mm -hmm. I like to generally think of like when I would have another fight or when the next grappling tournament is. I don't like to sign up too early though. I found that that just, it's just too much pressure on me Mm because then I have to do it. I'm signed up and it's still two months away. So I have to do all this stuff. So if I just kind of keep it in the back of my mind and think, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I should try that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will.
0: Nice. So. so what's what's in the future for you? Do you have future plans for the UFC or <laughs> anything like that?
1: Um, I think I'd like to just see where it goes. I think that's how I've always been. I just take whatever the next fight is and then see where that takes me. Mm-hmm. So that got me to Invicta. so I feel like that's a good mindset to keep. Um Otherwise, I think there's another grappling tournament in January, so, Mm -hmm. like, that would be fun.
0: Yeah, I think that's the Um, grappling industry's, uh, is that the state championship? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those, so, (laughs) yeah, coming up soon.
1: Yeah, so that's that's probably the next thing, and I'm still hopefully getting a fight soon, but, yeah, Mm nothing's set yet.
0: Yep, trusting your coach to make those right decisions for you. Um, Well, I want to thank you, Courtney, for coming on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully I'll have you back soon. Um, I want to just um, remind all of our listeners that we are sponsored by MindOps. You can find us at mind-ops.com. Go check out the website and check out what sort of services we do offer um, for individuals, teams, small or large groups, or businesses. Um, Also, check out our YouTube page, the MindOps YouTube page, uh, where where I've uploaded a number of videos that break down a lot of the concepts that we talk about on this podcast in greater detail. And as always, um, please, please, please like and share all of our posts and videos. Um, That's the best thing you guys can do to support this podcast and the best thing that we can really do to advocate for these messages and get these messages out to more and more people. So advocate for yourself and advocate for your species, the human race, and let's try and improve everybody's mindset through these um, concepts and through the sharing of different mindsets and and different uh, views on consciousness. So for Conversations with the Mind and for Mind Ops, signing off for today. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks again, Courtney.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yep,
0: and uh, please like and share.